0: Welcome back to another episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. I'm Dan Hope, joined by Colin Haas-Hill, as always. Apologies in advance for being late on this week's episode. couple reasons for that. For one, we wanted to record on Wednesday morning because of the college football playoff rankings being released on Tuesday night, so we wanted to be able to react to that, and with the Buckeyes being ranked number one, glad we did, glad to have the opportunity to talk about that. Secondly, my esteemed co-host over here, you can, draw, underst- you
1: can drop the word esteemed now.
0: Did not understand that when you record remotely, you have to use headphones. So we recorded it this morning, and there was a bad echo that you all certainly would have blasted us in the comments for if we had published it that way. So this is take two of a podcast. So hopefully it'll be as good or better than the first one. Uh, might be a little shorter than the first one because uh, we're, we're recording a little bit later here than we should be, but... Uh, we do want to certainly talk about the college football playoff ranking and Ohio State being ranked number one for the first time ever. Those rankings just came out on Tuesday night and we found out that Ohio State is in the top spot. Ohio State had never been in the top spot of the college football playoff rankings before Tuesday. Of course, Ohio State did win the first college football playoff. They were the national champions after the first playoff, but There are no final college football playoff rankings after the playoff is over. The final rankings are the one that set the field. So Ohio State had never been higher than number two in the playoff rankings before this week. Buckeyes checking in at number one after their 8-0 start, won all of their first eight games by 24 or more points, and now moving into the back end of the season with perhaps the strongest validation yet of how great these Buckeyes have played and that They very well might be the best team in college football this year.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, the funny thing is that they haven't been ranked ahead of third. And really, I'm not even sure if if there was any poll that ever ranked them ahead of third. But when you look at the main two polls, um, the AP poll and the coaches poll, I think that they're still fourth in the coaches poll and they're third in the AP poll right now. But as of Tuesday, those polls no longer mean a thing. And they never really mattered, but they were good little guide points. Um, I think that if you had asked us a few days ago, we were probably we were we were definitely leaning towards them being one or two. Personally, I thought maybe there was a slight edge that, that they would be two, but I think that number them them being number one is a is a really big deal, and it, and it really like I know that Ohio State's players and coaches they won't want to talk about it. They won't want to say anything about about what this matters. How, really really they won't even want to address it but the ultimate thing is like from the outside looking in this is a program that has a new head coach a new quarterback a lot of new coaches and they've won every single game by at least three touchdowns they've looked dominant they have a 40 plus point uh average win differential and they've 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 garnered respect from really the body the only body that ultimately matters when it comes to the postseason
0: and we've seen that before where I don't think the selection committee is beholden to the polls. They, they don't always go in lockstep with the polls. And I think a lot of times the polls are slower to change than the selection committee. Sometimes you'll even see where next week Ohio State might be number one in the polls or or at least closer to the top just because a lot of times they they kind of follow suit with what the selection committee does but a lot of times the polls you know Alabama and Clemson they were at the top of the polls going into the year so they're a little more reluctant to move those teams down they take a little bit longer whereas the college football playoff selection committee starting with a a fresh slate after eight nine games for you know every team into the season they can look at it and say okay well Ohio State's played better than everyone else and LSU has played better than everyone else, but Ohio State and Clemson's not even in the top four because they haven't played as well as we think Ohio State and LSU and Alabama and Penn State have. So it it gives a fresh slate. I think the committee got it right. I think the Buckeyes belong at number one for this week. I don't know if they'll be number one next week because LSU and Alabama, the number two and three teams, play each other next week. So I think most likely the winner of that game is going to be number one next week, but I think right now this is where the Buckeyes belong. I think their strength of schedule matches up with anybody. You can say they don't have that top 10 win, but Wisconsin's ranked 13th in the playoff standings. Cincinnati's ranked 20th. Overall, their opponent's winning percentage, them and LSU are, are ahead of where Alabama and Clemson have been, so they belong in those top two spots. I think the fact that the Buckeyes have been so dominant on both sides of the ball both Ohio State and LSU have been great offensively, but Ohio State has definitely been better defensively than LSU and winning their games by an average margin of over 40 points, no team has been more dominant than Ohio State and this is where they belong at least right now.
1: Yeah, you referenced the fact that maybe next week um when the rankings come out, they won't be number 1. And I think in all likelihood that 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 you're right about that. I think that the winner of the LSU Alabama game will be number 1. Now, um i think i'd agree with i'd I'd agree with that before that game ever happens i i think that that whichever team wins would have a really strong resume at that point but the one thing that i think you need to take out of this playoff rankings right now is that this just gives a this 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 sort of sets the bar of what's expected of this ohio state team and and more so than that in the committee's eyes it tells you what the committee thinks about about this team and what it's done up to this point. And it gives a little bit of leeway of what happens if Ohio State lost to Penn State and didn't end up in the, in the Big Ten title game. What happens if they lost to, to Michigan? Um, there are scenarios now where, like, if they lost to Michigan, the fact that Ohio State's already number one um, and, and that shows you what, what, what the committee thinks about the way that they've played thus far – it would make me think that they'd have a path to the playoff if they beat Penn State and then won the Big Ten title game, even if they lost to Michigan. Um, there, there are these interesting pathways that that I think them being number one sort of lends more credence to, to the possibility of them happening.
0: Yeah, if you look at some of the stats from the first five playoffs, the number one team in the initial, the initial rankings has gone on to be the number one seed in the college football playoff in free of the past four years. And only two teams that have ever started in the top two of the initial CFP rankings have failed to make the playoff. Those were Mississippi State in in 2014, LSU in 2015, and both of those teams lost at least twice. So when you start as the number one team, typically, unless you collapse, that team is that team is usually going to make it. Certainly, that's not a fate that Ohio State wants to tempt, and that's why if if You listen to what Ryan Day is saying this week. His message is, we don't care about the rankings. We just got to keep winning. It doesn't matter if we lose. So he does not want his team to let the hype of these rankings get into their head. He does not want his team to be thinking we could lose and still make it because there's certainly no guarantee. The only way the Buckeyes can guarantee their way into this field is to win the rest of their games. That includes the Big Ten championship game. So if they lose, then they leave it up for debate of whether they belong in the field. But right now, there's no debate. And that's a really good position to be in if you're Ohio State. Uh, I think it absolutely does give them some leeway. And now it's Ryan Day's job to, to try to keep this going.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the the way that they've talked about it, and it to me it was sort of immediately evident of, of how Ohio State's going to deal with it. When on Tuesday in his press conference, Ryan Day sort of pointedly dismissed it. Um, he dismissed the notion that they care about it. He dismissed the notion that it would have any effect on them. He dismissed the notion that he would even watch it. He said it's for the fans, and like to me to me that was that was very calculated on his part. He knows exactly the message that he wants to push. He knows that whatever messages that they pushed throughout the first eight games have been working, and there there's not a lot of reason on the outside to imagine that this won't work. But I thought it was a little interesting because then you had Justin Fields sort of take the podium after Ryan Day spoke, and and he sort of espoused the exact same message of he's not interested in the playoff, and and I think that I think we both understand that. Like, listen, they can say that all they want, but. That that they're gonna pay attention to it. They're, I'm sure a lot of players watched it. Um, I'm sure a lot of them are paying attention to, to what people are saying about them. But what ultimately matters is is that Ryan Day's message is, is, is getting across. And like I think I think it is right now. And, and that's sort of how they've gotten to this point after eight games. I think there's a I think there's a lot of buy into what the what the coaches have, have sold us to the to the team.
0: Yeah, I think Ryan Day's done an excellent job of controlling the message. Uh, as a first-year head coach, we didn't know how he would go about this. And I think he's been really calculated in terms of having these different mantras for every week and there's a lot of talking points that come up over and over again with, with, with Ryan Day. And then you see his players repeat them, which shows the buy-in that they have to what he and the other coaches are selling. So I, I think he's done an excellent job of that, of controlling the message, not only within the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, but what's coming out of it. Because I, I thought it was interesting that on Tuesday night and even Wednesday morning, If you look at ohio state's social media channels or its website or anything they don't even acknowledge the fact that ohio state is ranked number one in the college football playoff ranking something that ohio state has never done before there's not even any acknowledge of it from ohio state in an official capacity and i imagine that's coming at ryan day's directive and that's just the message that they want right now is that we're not gonna think about where we're ranked we're not gonna give it any credence we're just gonna keep doing the same things that we've been doing and that's probably the right move because it's worked out well for them so far so if it isn't broke don't fix it what why change what's worked so far but like you said i i think we'd be naive to think that they're not paying any attention to it especially the players i i'm sure that a lot of them were watching it on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm sure that they like to see that they're number one. Now it's it's just a matter of making sure between both coaches and players that they don't allow that to get to their head, that they continue to play at the same level. And I think this, is, this week and next week especially is probably when the coaches are especially on guard against it because – they're playing Maryland this week. They're playing Rutgers next week. Those are two teams that Ohio State really should be able to beat in decisive fashion. So this is the time, if there's been any, where the Buckeyes could lose focus. And I think Ryan Day really wants to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, and on the other side of that is, like, as a fan, as an Ohio State fan, I think it's it's a little bit of a weird position being the favorite. And not, not not that it's a little bit of a weird position. It is a very weird position because Urban Meyer, one one of the best coaches in college football history, never had the Buckeyes at number one um, in, in his tenure in the college football playoff rankings. Um, now Ryan Ryan Day is now in the position where I think it's a little interesting that as a, as a college coach, he's never been in, the, in this position before. He's never had to lead a number one ranked team, um, whereas... Right now, um, he's all of a sudden, he, he, has, to, he has to guide this team through, I think, two weeks that we expect to be like 50, 60 nothing type blowouts, and then end the season with three re- potentially really difficult games against Penn State, Michigan, and a Big Ten title game. Um, he's never been in the position. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he navigates it, and on Tuesday, I think we got our first little indicator of how he's going to do it, and that is <laughs> by pretending it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, it's all uncharted territory for Ryan Day, and the thing is, it's always easier to get players to buy in when you're winning. It's always easier for your message to work when you're winning and everything is going well. And so far, everything has gone great, and Ryan Day deserves all the credit in the world for how how well this team has done so far the fact that they haven't had to play a competitive game the fact that they have dominated week in and week out that shows the fantastic job that day and Ohio State's coaching staff has done but still we haven't seen what this how this team has to navigate adversity we haven't seen how this team has to get through playing a competitive game or bouncing back from a loss and those things will happen eventually who knows will they happen this year will they happen next year we, we will see what happens but certainly I think it makes sense why Ryan Day is a little bit more on guard about it right now at this point of the year and you know again those next two games aren't aren't going to be considered big games on the outside but Ryan Day he said on Tuesday he said Every game is big. If you don't think they're big, try losing one. So that's what he do not want to happen. He doesn't, he doesn't want this team to drop the ball in a game that it really shouldn't because we know that Penn State's game is going to be big. Penn State's ranked number four right now in the playoff rankings. We know that Michigan game is going to be big. Michigan's ranked number 14, and that's a rivalry game, so it's always big. But you, you want to keep the momentum going, even though I think it would take a collapse of epic proportions for Ohio State to lose either of its next two games. The last thing he wants to have happen is for them to suddenly start playing sloppy and start to lose their momentum before they get into that really tough stretch at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, one, one thing I'm interested in is, is how sort of the fan base deals with this, um, <laughs> because it it's uncharted our territory for, for so many people. I mean, this is Justin Fields' first year as a Starting quarterback, this is a, this is Ryan Day's first year being number one and first full year as a head coach, and I want to see how the fans deal with the fact that everybody's sort of shooting for him, and I think there's a level of uncomfortability there, but the thing that I think everybody has to remember is, like, Ryan Day is captaining the ship from the interior, and, and the way that he's done it is, is the way that he's going to do it, and that is by pretending that this doesn't exist and, and focusing one game at a time. But from the outside, the thing that you just have to keep in mind is that being number one really actually matters a lot. Like, if you look back at the 2015 season, this is 2015 was the only time that Ohio State entered the, the playoff rankings, the initial release, uh, undefeated. And they were not number one. And that was a team that a lot of people think is was the most talented team that, that Urban Meyer coached at Ohio State. And the reason, reason why they weren't number one um uh, was not because of a lack of talent it was a lack of production on the field it was a lack of results um, if you look at back at that season they were not beating every team by 30 40 points they were not handling everybody they didn't win every single game by at least three touchdowns and that's the difference right now and that's why ohio state is is entering this this last four game stretch of the regular season position so well and it's why i think there's there's the number 1 seed uh, or the, or at least the number 1 ranking initially Sort of gives them a gives them a little bit of, of 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 ammo to play with down the stretch. Where if things didn't go exactly as you as you as you'd hope, you know that the committee thinks in the first eight games of the year that you were deserving of the number one spot.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it. I think the fact that they've made this kind of impression on the committee puts them in a position that Ohio State has never been in before. Because even in 2015, which is the only time. Ohio State, before this year, has begun the playoffs rankings in the top four and were undefeated at this point of the year in the college football playoff era. They were number three in the first rankings that year. They were supposed to be the most talented team in college football history, but they didn't play like it. I think they only beat Northern Illinois by six points in September. They had some ugly games, and that was kind of one of those seasons where they kind of stumbled through it and stumbled through it until they finally hit that Michigan State game in late November and really laid an egg and lost, and and that knocked them out of a playoff. But I think that was a team that year where they just were not impressive enough where they could overcome that loss, where they had any real case of being a top four team after suffering that late loss. But I think this year, because of how impressive they've been, the impression they've made on the selection committee, if they were to lose a game, they they could position themselves where, even as a a one-loss team, they could potentially win that debate over other one-loss teams. Even if a loss coming late in the year, I think their resume is strong enough where if you look at it, the winner of LSU Alabama is going to control its own destiny from this point after Saturday. If Clemson can win out, they're going to be in. The winner of Ohio State, Penn State, if they can win out, they're going to be in. But they there's still going to be at least one spot unless Baylor wins out, which would be a surprise, I think, to just about everyone where there's still going to be at least one spot there if it's up for grabs, most likely for a one-loss team. And I think because of the position the Buckeyes are in, they would have a chance to make the playoff in that scenario. They They don't want to tempt that fate. They want to win out and guarantee their spot in the field because that's the only way that they can lock themselves in without leaving it in the hands of the selection committee. But I do think they're in a position now where they could still get in even even with a loss in November, it's certainly not guaranteed, but I think I think they would at least be in that conversation where it would be a possibility.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And it's definitely worth explaining too that like it's it's a hard thing to say to an Ohio State fan, but the Penn State game means a lot more to, to Ohio State's playoff chances than the Michigan game. And it's really just based on the fact that Michigan already has two losses. And if Ohio State beat Penn State and then lost to Michigan, they'd still make the Big Ten title game, which would give them another chance to, to make one last push for, for a playoff spot. And would they be guaranteed um, a, a bid into the playoff if that were to happen? No. But would I suspect that they'd get it in that scenario, uh, given that they were ranked number one on Tuesday to, to open it up? And uh, I would.
0: Yeah, one thing that we know for sure is that Ohio State-Penn State game coming up two weeks from now is going to be a real big one because right yes, now with Ohio State number one, Penn State number four, that's looking like almost a de facto college football playoff quarterfinal. Penn State's road not quite as easy the next couple of weeks. They play Minnesota, who's also still undefeated on Saturday, and then Indiana the week after, so they've got to get through those games too. But if both of those teams go into that game undefeated 10-0, and that will be a de facto Big Ten East title game, so whoever wins that game will win the Big Ten East, will get into the Big Ten Championship game. Michigan, having already lost two games, if if Ohio State is 11-0 and going into that Michigan game, Ohio State, if it beat Michigan, I'm sorry, even if they lost to Michigan, they would still win the Big Ten East because Michigan already has two losses in conference games. So certainly... Beating Michigan is always a priority at Ohio State. I think it's especially a priority for Ryan Day in his first year as Ohio State's coach because the last thing you want is to draw comparisons to John Cooper. But I think that it is, in terms of making the playoff, the Penn State game is more important because if you make that Big Ten championship game, if you go 12-1 with a Big Ten championship, I think this team would have a very real case to get in. If, if they were to lose to Penn State and, go, and then bounce back really strong against Michigan and go 11-1, and I think they'd still have a chance, but I think that chance would not be as strong as
1: 12-1 and with a Big Ten title. It would finally settle the, the question of whether Ohio State fans would rather beat Michigan and miss the playoff or uh, lose to Michigan and make the playoff.
0: Yes, yes. Not, not a position that Ohio State fans... Ohio State Definitely fans would prefer not. not to be in either of those positions. They'd prefer to make the playoff and beat Michigan. And if so, this has the potential to be a really special year for the Buckeyes. But it's one of those scenarios that we find ourselves talking about just because of how good the Buckeyes have been this year.
1: <laughs> yes, we're, we, we have been put in a lot of weird situations, including I guess we want to transition to, to this game where uh, Ohio State on Saturday... It's a 44-point favorite.
0: Yeah, that is an enormous number. Ohio State open as a 44-point favorite. I think Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com did the research, and this is actually the biggest spread in any conference game all year. So that's a pretty crazy number, no matter how you spin it. As dominant as Ohio State has been, as much as Maryland has struggled, 44 points in a conference game, that's a lot. I, I If I was a better, I wouldn't touch it. But when you look at it, would it really be any surprise if they cover? Because you look at how dominant Ohio State has been. And you look at Maryland has lost 59 nothing to Penn State, 38-7 to Michigan, uh, 52-10 to Minnesota, I believe. Oh, Ohio State has only won two games this year by 44 points or more. So again, that is a huge number. But only Miami and Northwestern lost to Ohio State by that much, but still... Uh, I think there's a very good chance this game is going to
1: be lopsided on Saturday. <laughs> I would, um, I would, I would put in a, a little Colin Hostel guarantee that it would be lopsided. <laughs> now, how lopsided? I think 44 points is a reasonable spread, which is a wild thing to say because, like you said, this is not only a conference game. This is a team that. Damn near should have beat Ohio State last year and only lost fifty-two to fifty-one, and it came down to overtime, and and, and Maryland had, a, had an open guy in the end zone with which, had they hit, um, they would they would have beat the Buckeyes, and a year later, all of a sudden, I think anyone would be surprised if it's within like four touchdowns. Some
0: breaking news here, actually, as we're doing our podcast: Ohio State and Penn State's game against. Uh, on November 23rd, we were just talking about. That's going to be a noon game on Fox. So we've had a lot of questions about when that game's going to be. Uh, just hitting as we're recording our late podcast right now, Ohio State-Penn State's going to be a noon game in two weeks. Big noon kickoff with Urban Meyer is going to be back in Ohio Stadium for that game as well. So uh, a big game that a lot of people are going to be looking forward to. Uh, The Big Ten does not do November night games typically, so I know some people were hoping for that, but that was never going to be an option. Uh, I certainly expected it was going to be a noon game on Fox because, as we've seen, that has become the prime time slot for Big Ten football games this year. And that's one that people are going to be talking about a lot. That's a game that right now looks like it will be the game of the year in the Big Ten and most likely will determine one of this year's participants in the playoff.
1: Yeah, and I, it's almost one of those where I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to annoy it right yet. Because do you remember the uh, the Ohio State Wisconsin game was supposed to be a top six matchup, and then uh, the old <laughs> Fighting Lovey Smiths came in there. Now
0: that 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 is true, that is true. Uh, a lot can still happen. Like I said, Penn State plays Minnesota this week, and Minnesota's undefeated, so that's not a walk in the park. That game is at Minnesota, so it is possible that it is certainly possible that Penn State could lose that game. Indiana's played well this year, too, but they did just lose their starting quarterback Mike Penix, for the year, so I think Penn State will be undefeated, but you never know. I think either way, that's going to be a huge game. Uh, Again, we've said it about five times this year. I think that game is going to be the biggest test of the year for Ohio State, and I'm pretty confident in saying that right now because I don't think either of these next two games are going to be a big test. We saw last year at Maryland, that game was a test, actually. Ohio State was taken to overtime by Maryland, a game that was 52-51. to 51. Maryland actually came close to hitting a two-point conversion at the end of the game that could have won the game for the Terrapins. But this Ohio State defense is on a completely different level. For them to get gashed the way they did last year, uh, against this Maryland offense would be shocking. Ohio State hasn't allowed more than ten points in a game since the season opener. They've held all of their opponents under three hundred yards this year. I I'd be shocked if that happened. Uh, not saying Maryland won't h- maybe hit a big play or two, but I I don't see this game being anything close to what it was last year.
1: Nope, nor do I. I mean, there's a there's a real difference where um last year, like I don't I, neither of us would have anticipated that that Ohio State would play a one-point game with Maryland, yet at the same time, if, if I had asked you right now, like, where, like, is it more likely that last year's team would play a close game against a mediocre opponent, or this year's team would do so, like, it's last year's team in a landslide, like, we, have, we haven't even seen this team, we haven't even seen this team tested yet, and, uh, is, let me, like, let me spoiler it for you, it's, it's not gonna be Maryland, it, it just won't, it won't be Rutgers and uh that's why you jumped in there to talk a little bit about Penn State because at the end of the day like that's sort of in the back of our minds even even as we uh look forward to the Maryland game on Saturday
0: yeah it's it's just hard not to think ahead at this point and I know some people will respond one week at a time one game at a time but the reality is we are not coaches we are not players we we are we are media members uh, who, who try to talk about what's most interesting with this team, and there's just not a whole lot interesting about this Maryland game. You know, we saw last year Anthony McFarland had a huge game against the Buckeyes, ran for 298 yards, but this year he's only rushed for 438 yards. The statistics are actually pretty similar this year from from last year of this Maryland team, but I think that just speaks to how much better we think this Ohio State team is because last year, that defense was always a disaster waiting to happen, and, and we saw it in that game. We saw it against Purdue. But this year, his team has just been so solid on both sides of the ball that it's hard not to see them having a significant significant advantage in both phases and really just taking care of business probably before halftime.
1: I quite, I quite literally couldn't envision a scenario in which – this is a this is a game that actually comes down to the to the wire like I literally can't process that
0: one fun storyline in this game Keandre Jones former Ohio State linebacker will be making his return to Ohio Stadium this week Keandre has been arguably their best defensive player this season at Maryland leading the team with 11 tackles for loss and six sacks a guy who really didn't get to play a whole lot in his three years at Ohio State was a backup linebacker Highly recruited guy out of a home, out of his home state of Maryland. Decided that he wanted to return, be closer to his family, have the opportunity to play in his home state, and have the opportunity uh, to play more than he might have gotten to play at Ohio State this year. And who knows how he would have done if he had stayed at Ohio State. New defensive scheme, new linebackers coach. Maybe that would have been what he needed to have a big senior season. But hard to blame him. For going somewhere where he was going to be more guaranteed to have more playing time with Malik Harrison, Pete Werner, Baron Browning, tough Borland all back for the Buckeyes. It is possible he wouldn't have gotten a lot of playing time for the Buckeyes this year. And talking to KeAndre Jones for a story that'll run at Eleven Warriors this week as well. And talking to Ryan Day this week, both of them expressed that they're still on good terms. They're, you know, I think Ryan Day is happy to see KeAndre having success at maryland and i think keandre is happy to see the success that ohio state is still having this year uh for one week though they're going to be adversaries
1: Mm-hmm. they will um it is one of those interesting situations where like i think a lot in, in another alternate universe that uh the situation has been different I, I always wonder if if uh if al washington <laughs> had been there the past two years how, how differently it would have looked i mean Condre jones is the type of player right now for maryland i mean you can't look at him right now and think that, that he wouldn't have been able to make an impact at Ohio State. But like you said, it it seems like it worked out for both for both teams. I don't think Ohio State's not exactly hurting for linebackers right now and and he's Keandre's turned into one of Maryland's best players. Let's
0: talk for a few minutes about Ohio State basketball because Ohio State basketball season starts tonight just a just a few hours from now eight thirty p.m. tonight at the Schottenstein Center Ohio State hosting Cincinnati for its first game of the year so we wanted to talk about that for a few minutes on today's show we know most of you are focused on football right now and football is going to continue to be our main focus uh, especially for the end of the season but we do want to talk about basketball here from time to time now that the season's getting going and a pretty big game to start the season out with tonight Colin Uh, a strong non-conference schedule for this team and this should be a good test against the Bearcats to get to see what this team is made of to start the season.
1: Yeah it's funny that this comes the, the the day after that Ohio State got ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings, the initial ones, and because it feels like this this team is sort of, it's, it's slid under the radar when it comes to uh, the fact that the football team is really good right now, and there's a lot of focus on that, yet at the same time, this is the most expectations that Chris Holtman has had in his three-year tenure at Ohio State. Um, it's arguably the most talented team that he's had. It's also inarguably the youngest team that he's had. So there are all, there are all these little factors that, that I think are interesting to it. There's five newcomers there's a few there's a few uh, returners who I'm very interested to see. there's a lot I, I would say that there's a healthy amount of, of of uncertainty here um yet there's a lot of reason for Ohio State fans to feel excited because, and on one hand you have some of the some of the key returners. Like I look at like Caleb Wesson lost thirty four pounds in the off season, he was there leading scorer, leading rebounder last year, and there's reason to believe he'll be leading both categories again this year um, with maybe a little bit more of an expanded, more dynamic uh, offensive game uh, and defensive. Um, Then you have some of the returners who are just sort of your steady guys, such as Andre Weston and Kyle Young, and then you got a couple sophomores and Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington who I'm interested to see where they can actually become more efficient because that's something that they struggled with, especially Luther when it came to the second half of last season and then you also add in five newcomers one cj walker who's like <laughs> I would, they, they don't actually name official captains but if ohio state did cj walker would be a captain and he hasn't even played a game he's that kind of leader for this team um, then you have four freshmen who make up the the best class that chris holtman has ever landed and two of them were five stars when they committed. Who have who were sent? Who were uh, then downgraded to four stars? But this is this is it's a really um, interesting group of talent, and like you have an idea of what it might look like on the court. But like you said, there's five marquee non-conference games against Cincinnati, Villanova, North Carolina, Kentucky, and West Virginia. Those are those are some good tests. In the first two months of the year where real, we'll really get a good idea of, of what this team maybe could be come come March.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. You you follow this team a lot closer than I do, so uh, especially this time of year, so you, you know more about this team, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see what this team is going to look like. Certainly, Caleb Wesson, with uh, all the weight that he's lost this offseason, it's going to be interesting to see how his role changes. Uh, certainly, I think he's going to continue to be the centerpiece of his team, but you know maybe some more outside shooting from him, You know maybe more ability that he has to play all over the floor instead of just inside uh, with more athleticism, more endurance, obviously going to be trying to stay out of foul trouble. Is that something that's been a bit of an issue for him? And then uh, I think certainly I'm excited to see what these freshmen can bring to the team, especially DJ Carton, the highly touted point guard he seems like somebody who's going to bring just a different element to this Ohio State team, his ability to get to the rim, his athleticism. Both him and C.J. Walker, more of those true point guards. I think D.J. particularly, he has an ability that maybe we haven't seen at Ohio State since D'Angelo Russell, just to, to be able to drive to the basket, and I think that could really make this Ohio State uh, offense more dangerous than it's been.
1: Yeah, you're definitely right about that. If if you look at last year the point guards were, were sort of C J Jackson and Keyshawn Woods, but they weren't they weren't exactly what you'd sort of imagine to be a, a college point guard duo. Um, this the were more combo guards this year though with C J Walker and D J Carton like these are these are what you'd imagine they are push the pace they are they're pretty athletic they're uh, C J Walker he's a he's a hard nosed defender leader he sort of he sort of personifies every intangible that you'd sort of ever ask for in a point guard and D J Carton on the other hand has the has the athleticism he's got this explosion it's explosion that like you'll, you sort of, you sort of got a glimpse of it in the, in the, in the exhibition against Cedarville. Um, he'll, he'll push, he'll push the ball when, whenever he wants to. Um, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna look a lot different than it did last year, just to like run through the others really quickly and what to expect. So EJ Liddell is the 6'6", 236 pounds, sort of a throwback power forward. Um, he'll, he'll play the, he'll play the three and the four, but you'll see him a lot more in the post. Um, he's, uh, he he's intriguing in that he's he's really mature he's really he's more college ready i would say than any of the other freshmen yet at the same time maybe he doesn't have the that dj carton ceiling but i think he'll be he'll be a consistent presence for them alonzo gaffney if you happen to go to the game or any game this year just like show up early and just watch him dunk in the pregame because it's actually it's it's spectacular like he's this six nine uh 200 pound power forward who he he he's got more hops than than maybe anybody else on the team yet he he he's not he's not he's not close to a finished product he, chris Holman's always talked about him finding more consistency uh being a consistently hard worker and that's really what i'm going to be looking for for him and he's not he's not more of a point scorer he's more of a he's a long, long lanky uh defense first um, rebounder type of player uh, Diallo. I'm not sure if we're going to see him in the opening. Yeah, you know, he's listed at six foot ten, 225 pounds. He's super raw. Uh, eventually, what they want him to develop into is sort of that that low post uh, defensive minded center. But at the same time, they also know he's a long way off. So I'm not totally sure that he'll ha- how much of a role he'll have as a freshman. But nonetheless, this is a group of four freshmen who i i think that the there has been a lot of hype around and i think it's warranted and they're also they're the kind of players who they'll they'll take this team as far as they can chris holtman talks about um that this team is very reliant on the veterans and that's true but if dj carton can be who i think some people think can be and that's that's a future nba point guard if he can if he can be, be that immediately at some point as a freshman like I, that that will obviously be a, be a huge boon to this team
0: what are your expectations for this team, Colin? What do you what do you think this team is gonna be able to accomplish this year, both in terms of how well they're gonna play in a regular season and what they're you know, ceiling or what what might be the most likely outcome for them in the NCAA tournament?
1: Yeah, I think the one the one thing I look for I look for a top four Big Ten finish. That that's sort of what I'm imagining. If they're if they're fifth, maybe I'd understand, but if they're anywhere below that I think that that would that would not that would not be great for this team. This team this team is talented. I think the Big Ten in general is it's not, as, it's not as stacked as it was maybe a year ago. I think you have Michigan State up top at number one, that there's a consensus number one pick. There's not even a consensus number two. Ohio State has gotten a lot of preseason number two votes. So I, I imagine this is a team that, that's going to compete for a top three spot in, in the Big Ten. If I were to guess, i pick him third right now. I'd pick him to end up in the Sweet 16. Um, I think those are fair expectations for this team. This is, this is Chris Holman's third year. This is a group of players that he's recruited. Basically, all of them, even Andre Wesson, the senior, he had recruited at Butler. He wanted Andre Wesson there. Um, these are his guys, and, and sure, it's a young team, and and that that produces a little bit of volatility, but but the expectations are real. I I think they're deserved.
0: Last year we saw this team start out really strong, but it was kind of is kind of a false hope thing where when they got into January and February and started playing on a regular Big 10 schedule playing tougher competition they were playing in non-conference that they clearly weren't as good as what they looked like the first couple months of a year and they yeah. went from being a a highly ranked team to a team that that kind of st- stumbled its way into the tournament and it did win a game in the NCAA tournament i think all in all especially considering it was a team that had lost Lost Cade Bates, diop who was its best player from the previous year, and had lost Jashon Tate. I think for them to to play as well as they did last year, I think was a success. But the expectations are definitely higher this year. I it seems though with the non-conference schedule they they're playing and with the youth of this team that it it could be kind of the opposite, where maybe this team hits some rough patches early. But as the season progresses and they start to get more experienced and older, that they could be better come February and March when they really need to be at their best.
1: Yeah, I think that I think, I think think you're right. I think that that's the way I'm looking at it, too. Last year, uh, Chris Oldman had talked about a little bit that they thought that maybe the non-conference schedule wasn't as strong as he thought it would be. It produced a little bit of fool's gold where they were up to number 13. They were 12-1 and at one point. And it became pretty clear in the second half of that season that they were not the 13th best team in the country they did they did not deserve that ranking and and a lot of it was because of their schedule early now if Ohio State ends up 12 and 1 out at some point that would tell you a heck of a lot more about this team because they're gonna face them they're gonna face four top 10 uh three top 10 preseason teams plus cincinnati and west virginia in the first two months of the year now i'm imagining there's going to be a few stumbling blocks and i also imagine if that happens like chris holtman he's he, he hates to lose, but at the same time, he has this long-term view, and I don't think he's going to necessarily hate it, because there's part of him last year that he didn't – he thought it – like, reading between the lines, it seems like it, – it's pretty clear that he thought that last year's team maybe thought a little bit too much of itself um, – when they were ranked number thirteen, when they when they were twelve and one, and then it sort of hit them, and it hit them hard, and that was a really tough stretch, one of the toughest in Chris Holtman's career. And I think that that if they have a little early adversity, I think I think I think Holtman's going to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I think we we talked about it before. of Ryan Day, I think there's some similarities between Ryan Day and Chris Holtman in that yep. when things are going well. They, they like to temper the expectations. They like, to, they like to keep the focus on what they have to do next and the task at hand. They do not like to get caught up in the hype that surrounds their team. So uh, I've definitely noticed some similarities between the two coaches in, in terms of a way that they manage those expectations and in terms of just trying to keep their team level-headed and focused on work all the time.
1: Yeah, you're definitely correct, correct about that. I think Chris Holman likes when people talk uh, good about his players and about about his program success. And at the same time, if they were picked to finish 12th in in the Big Ten, he he would sort of enjoy that. He would he would thrive on that.
0: One more thing I wanted to bring up: we did a fun exercise over the summer where we 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 took turns drafting players from the uh, both the football and the basketball teams uh, for some fun summer pieces and. I think we'll revisit the football draft at another point, probably after the season, and kind of evaluate how we did on here. But the basketball draft, it was done as a coin flip. So Colin won the coin flip, and he he decided to take the number one pick in the football draft, which was a smart move because that meant he got to draft Justin Fields. But that meant I got the number one pick in the basketball draft. I took Caleb Wesson for obvious reasons, being that he is the leading scorer and rebounder. But I felt like I won the draft when Colin decided to take EJ Liddell and Louvre Muhammad with the number two and number three picks. And that's nothing against either of those two guys, but that's because he let me get DJ Carton at number four, who I believe is going to be the second best player on his team. So, Colin, seeing what you've seen now from DJ Carton, do you regret that decision?
1: I greatly regret that decision. I think DJ Carton is the second best player on this team after seeing one exhibition game of him <laughs> and i think 19 minutes of him i mean listen i, I think luther muhammad and, and each other will have uh, significant parts on this team but whew, if you if you caught a little bit of dj carton especially listen on your on your little pickup team you got caleb wesson and dj carton plus andre wesson uh, that that is that is a mighty fun trio right there
0: the results of our draft for those of you who didn't catch that on 11 warriors over the summer I got Caleb Wesson, DJ Carton, Andre Wesson I got with a fifth pick, Dwayne Washington and Justin Arms with the eighth and ninth picks, and then Ibrahimo Diallo with the last pick. Colin got EJ Liddell and Lufer Muhammad with the second and third picks, CJ Walker and Kyle Young with the sixth and seventh picks, and then Musa Jallo and Alonzo Gaffney with the tenth and eleventh picks. That was, of course, before we knew that Musa Jallo was injured, so uh, that was not factored into the draft, but...
1: What Appetite. else? What else? I I must mention that I apparently did not factor shooting into my drafting because <laughs> man, I have no idea how that team how that team can shoot.
0: Yeah, when we when we both did our cases for our teams, I think my case was that my team would be better on the <laughs> offensive end. Collins was that his would be better on the defensive end, which I, I think is probably accurate. But eighty two point one percent of commenters voted that my team would win and i think now even colin would vote that my team would win
1: yeah i might have voted it for you at the time and i can tell you right now if if there was a revo right now i'd sure hope that it was upwards of 95 percent for you
0: it seems that way we will see how it all plays out whether dj carton lives up to the hype whether caleb wesson can continue to build upon the success that he had last year and that's all going to begin tonight at 8 30 p.m on fs1 as ohio state host cincinnati at schottenstein center let's get into some of your questions before we move on from this week first question came from daniel he asked will real pod wednesdays be continued after the football season please say yes good news the answer is yes that is our plan we are planning to keep the podcast going all year long it'll probably look a little bit different after football season just in terms of structure and different things we do we'll probably try to incorporate some interviews into the show we'll talk some about basketball maybe about some other sports as well but of course we're going to have stuff to talk about with football all year because the Ohio State football news cycle really never stops there's always something going on there's always something that people want to talk about and we'll be sure to talk about that all off season. We'll be answering your questions all offseason. If there's anything you guys think we should do in the offseason or or different topics that we might be able to explore in a little more depth in the off season when there's not games going on, let us know. I think we'll be a lot more open-ended to trying different things and you know, maybe maybe digging deeper on some topics, maybe having some specific themes for certain episodes. So uh, definitely something that we want to try to do. We want to try to do it in a way that you guys enjoy the show and that you guys still have reason to listen, even when there's no games happening. So, uh, give us your feedback on that. We'll be reaching out and trying to get your feedback once we get to that point as well. But of course, with the way this football season is going, the next two months are going to be uh, just focused on getting through this season and seeing where it all ends up.
1: Yeah, folks, you're not getting rid of us that quickly. No, I mean, listen, we are... uh, I will say one thing. Shout out to us not having a podcast during the Smith.
0: Yes. Yeah, that would not have been fun. That would not have been fun. I will say it's a lot more fun to have a podcast when the team is winning and we're talking about the college football playoff and championship possibilities and and how good this team is playing. There, There will surely in the future be negative stuff that we have to talk about on here as well, but it's been good so far. We're glad you guys are enjoying it. Uh, keep listening. If if you guys stop listening, then we won't have a podcast anymore. <laughs> but we appreciate that you guys have been listening, have been supporting the show. That allows us to continue to keep doing it uh, every week all year long as that, as long as that continues to be the case. Let's get into the rest of your questions here. Nutta has asked, which games this season will we see Justin Fields throw for over 350 yards? Basically the idea being here that because the offense has been balanced, That hasn't happened, but his gut tells him there's going to be a stretch where his arm's going to be paramount, maybe against Penn State, maybe against Michigan because those are the bigger games of the year. I don't know. I I don't know if it's going to happen because I think Ohio State likes the balance with which it's playing on offense right now. I I think ideally Ohio State doesn't want Justin Fields to ever be throwing a ball 40 or 50 times a game like Dwayne Haskins was last year. He's capable of throwing for over 350 yards. It would obviously be more likely to happen in a competitive game that goes all four quarters, in which they need their quarterback to throw the ball more in the fourth quarter, where they're not just trying to run out the clock. So it certainly could happen, but I don't know that I'm necessarily going to predict that it's going to happen in any game because I think they like the balance they have. So far this year, he hasn't come close to 350 yards. His most was 234 in the season opener against Florida Atlantic. So there's a long way to go there. I I think it could happen, but one thing Ryan Day said this week is he's not going to be leaving guys in the game longer or just trying to pad their stats just so they can have big numbers. This team is focused on winning, so if if Ryan Day can have – excuse me, if Justin Fields can have a big passing game like that, that's great for him but they're not going to be trying to pad his numbers just to help his Heisman stock or anything like that.
1: Yeah the way I look at this um, the way I consider this question is like if Justin Fields threw for 350 yards I think Ohio State would would not be doing what it wants to do and thus I think Ohio State would be in trouble in whatever game that it was in. Um, The the reason why they don't is not like you said because he can't because I think that we both the way that we've watched Justin Fields thus far, I think we've both been really impressed by him as a passer and, and his pocket awareness and his pocket presence. But the thing that that I think that we're both looking at is this team can really run the ball. Um, it has J.K. Dobbins. Master Teague is impressed. Justin Fields obviously has that dual element. Um, and if they're if, if if they're passing the if they're passing the ball 350 yards, that to me that means that the run that the run hasn't really worked the way it wants to. And now maybe. Maybe I'm wrong in that and the and and some team really gashes Ohio State's defense and Ohio and and Ohio State's offense all of a sudden gets put in a position where it has to it has to put up points that that and it has the pressure that it has to put up points that we haven't seen yet. But the way that I look at it, I I I really don't think that that 350-yard game is coming. And if you look at it, I don't think he's throwing for more than 225 in a game yet.
0: Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't come close. So I think it would take, I think it would take a change in game plan and him really playing for all four quarters for that to happen. And again, as long as the offense keeps rolling the way it's rolling, it really doesn't matter who gets the yards, how exactly they get they get to that number. And I think that's just the way it's going to continue to be. Uh, could, could could he have a big game like that? I think he's certainly capable, but I don't think they're going to force it. M-I-N-N Buck, I'm guessing that stands for Minnesota Buck, asks us, if you take every starter off the team, where would the new Ohio State team rank in the Big Ten? Where would the team rank if you got to keep only Justin Fields? Well, I think they'd be ahead of Rutgers in any situation because that's how bad Rutgers is. Fact. I They might be ahead of a few other teams because of how deep they are. I, I, I think... I think Ohio State's second team unit could play competitive games against some of the lower tier teams in the Big Ten. I don't think they'd beat Penn State or Michigan or Wisconsin or teams like that. Yes, Ohio State is deep, but there's still a big difference uh, between the starters and the backups, especially at the quarterback position. So that difference of if you get to keep Justin Fields without Justin Fields, that's probably a difference of Two or three games in a Big Ten schedule—that's probably a difference between being right in the middle of a pack and and being on the lower end of a pack, you know. But they're they're not going to be better than they're not going to be better than Penn State or, or Michigan with with all their backups right now. They have enough talent that they could still be a competitive middle of a pack Big Ten team, I think. But there's there's still a drop off there, especially at positions like quarterback and offensive line and positions like that
1: yeah you're right about that I I, there those are those are the those are the couple positions that I'd really look at as as in in this scenario what would be the most concerning ones and that's obviously quarterback you go from Justin Fields to Chris Chuganoff and then offensive line because offensive line is always the position where if someone gets hurt I think there's a lot of mystery about man what 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 would happen if 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 this guy got hurt it, like we haven't seen much of his backup we haven't seen his back from this position imagine five backups going in there like that is that is not a position that Wild state ever would want to be in and that that to me that's that's other than quarterback that would be the the number one concern and also like maybe this uh is a little bit of a hint about what i what i'm going to be thinking about this offseason but if you took away all the cornerbacks, all of a sudden Ohio State would be left with Cam Brown, Seven Banks, Tyreek Johnson, Marcus Williamson at cornerback um, in this scenario. And like I think there's reason to have uh hope about them succeeding, but at the same time, given the way that Damon Arnett, Jeff O'Kudden, and Sean Wade have played, there's they they just the backups just haven't gotten a ton of reps against against impressive wide receivers. And that that would be a real problem. <laughs> that, that that would be the one that would be the two areas that I look at.
0: Mishabuck12 asked us, what are the odds Minnesota is able to hang on for the Big Ten championship game berth? Now, it's a good question because Minnesota is 8-0. and They're undefeated. So, you know, they are in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten West right now. But they're, they finished the season with a slate of Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. And if you look at the teams that Minnesota has played so far this year, they've played a schedule that includes South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland. None of those are particularly good teams. So I think Penn State, Iowa, and Wisconsin are all better than any team that Minnesota has played. And so I think it's possible they could go as poorly as one and three in that stretch. Uh, I'll predict 2-2, and but the question is, does one of those wins come against Wisconsin? Because right now, Wisconsin has two losses to Illinois and to Ohio State. So there's a chance that Minnesota-Wisconsin game at the end of the year could be a de facto Big Ten West title game. I would say right now, if I have to predict, I would say that I think Wisconsin will win the Big Ten West, and I would predict a rematch of Ohio State-Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. Would be a little more interesting to see a different opponent, but I'm just not sure if what Minnesota's done in the first eight games of the season is going to translate against tougher competition in the final
1: month. Yep. We're on the same page there. If I were, if you made me pick right now, I would, I would not pick Minnesota. And like, I would want to pick Minnesota because this is, I would, I would love to see a new matchup and especially a new matchup against a team that I think it's an, it's always exciting when you, when you see a team like Minnesota who has been down for, for so long and, uh, sort of, sort of pick it up, even though, like you said, like they haven't played anybody now. And shout out to PJ Flex agent for actually getting him an extension before they step up in competition. That was impressive. Um, But what's, what's going to be really impressive to me is if they finish strong. Um, I, like you said, I would pick maybe two and two that's that. I think you nailed the number that I, that I would pick two. I think there's definitely a possibility that they go one and three and I'd be really impressed if, if they beat Wisconsin, if they went, 3-1 Three and one or four and zero would be astounding to me. Um, that said, I it's hard for me not to not to pick Wisconsin right now. I just I have to see I have to see Minnesota actually face a team that that I respect.
0: You got to give PJ Fluck credit for the job he's done there, getting that team to eight zero. I don't think anybody thought Minnesota was going to be in that position, so he's done a great job. Like Colin mentioned, he just got a contract extension this week. Actually, right now. Would be slated to make more money than Ryan Day next year. Ryan Day's sal- salary is currently four and a half million. PJ Flex' salary for next year is now 4.6 million. I don't think that's a coincidence. I also don't think that that's going to last. I think if Ohio State continues to play the way it's playing this year, that Ryan Day and every one of Ohio State's coaches who return will most likely be in line for raises next year. So. P.J. Fleck should not be more high-paid than Ryan Day, and I don't think that will continue to be the case. But he did do a good job to earn himself a contract extension. That also segues well into one of the other questions we got from Gin and Juice, who asked us, does Ryan Day actually have a chance to win any Coach of the Year awards this year? Because I think right now P.J. Fleck would probably be the favorite to win Big Ten Coach of the Year, as many of you probably already know. Oh, an Ohio State coach has not won Big Ten Coach of the Year in four decades. So, Urban Meyer was never Big Ten Coach of the Year. Jim Tressel was never Big Ten Coach of the Year. They both won national championships, but they never won Big Ten Coach of the Year. And if you look at these Coach of the Year awards, the reality is they typically tend to go toward the coaches who are perceived to do more with less, who take over programs that have been struggling and have built them up to become contenders. So I think P.J. Fleck is, is probably the front runner in the Big Ten right now. I think nationally, I think maybe Matt Rule at Baylor, with all the issues that that program had, for him to have them in a position where they're currently undefeated right now, I think he might be a front runner for national coach of the year. Ryan Day certainly belongs in those conversations, and you, you could absolutely argue that he deserves to be national coach of the year because he's got the most dominant team in college football right now, He's a first-year head coach. He certainly did an excellent job in terms of rebuilding the defensive coaching staff and taking this team's play to a higher level. But I think the fact that he is at a powerhouse program, he he inherited one of the best rosters in college football built by Urban Meyer and his coaching staff. He walked into a position where he was expected to succeed right away. I don't know if he was expected to succeed quite this well through his first eight games of a season, but... I think it's still more likely that those awards are going to go to coaches who are viewed as overachieving whereas Ohio State is always expected to be at the top even with a first year head coach.
1: Yeah, if I'm looking at the at coach of the year awards, like part of you mentioned that that Ryan Day inherited a lot of the he, he inherited a really talented roster and it is the funny it's the funny balance where he's a first year head coach. So Nice job Ryan Day for for starting 8 and 0 and and being the number 1 team number 1 uh, seed in the playoff uh, in the first initial rankings. And at the same time, uh, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the sort of the, the backing for for former Ohio State coaches in this award is people saying, well why are you going to punish them for recruiting really well and building this roster? And and it's a valid point. And at the same time, that's working a little against Ryan Day right now because hey, he didn't really build this roster. This is this is as you said. This was built during during the last four years of the Urban Meyer uh, era, recruiting all these players who are uh, in Columbus right now. So that's working against him a little bit. If I were to guess, I would say that he's probably not going to be in the running for any national coach of the year awards, uh, at least at the top, uh, unless they just completely steamroll Penn State, Michigan, and the the Big Ten title opponent. And I think in the in the Big Ten I think like you said PJ Fleck rightly has has the edge on him at the moment and if they stumble in the way that maybe you and I think is possible then Ryan Day is sort of that net sky provided Ohio State beats Penn State and I think maybe they could end that drought of Big Ten Coach of the Years
0: it's it's been a long drought it, it, it's pretty crazy to think again but we're talking about something that Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle never accomplished at Ohio State but Ryan Day certainly has a chance. We'll see how it plays out. nuts for bucks 13 asked us about how the players are handling the media narratives regarding with the college football playoff rankings coming out and what are some of the differences between how Urban Meyer handled that kind of hype and Ryan Day, if any. We talked about this before. Ryan Day definitely does not want his team paying attention to the hype. Uh, he's not talking about the college football playoff. He doesn't want his players talking about the college football playoff. I don't know that it's a huge difference between how he and Urban Meyer played into it, but I, I think it's almost even more pronounced. I think I think Ryan Day is really taken a strong stance of, we're just going to stay focused on what we need to do this week, and we're not going to look at the hype. We're not going to talk about how good we are. And even, again expanding even to the social media channels with no acknowledgement from Ohio State's Twitter accounts or any of that that the team is number 1 they just want to stay focused on how things are going right now they they want to focus on the next game they don't want to focus on what people were saying about them or how highly they're ranked in the college football playoff standings or any of the polls so that's been the message from ryan day and so far the buy-in from the players has has seemed to be really all in on what he's selling uh i'm i'm sure there are players that are paying attention to it but i think day and the rest of the ohio state coaching staff is doing a really good job of keeping this team focused and we'll see if that materializes over the next few
1: weeks yeah this is a team that's really bought into what the coaching staff has been selling way since since the winter workouts, since in the spring, this is that that that, that really hasn't deviated. And I, I do think it, it it's worth noting that it's a lot easier to buy into the message of don't look at the rankings if you're number one in the country and like like they they can say it, like if you win, you're in. This is an undefeated team that's beat every single team by by three touchdowns or more. There is no reason to look at Ryan Day and look at your look at your assistant coaches, whoever it may be and and, and question them and be like, well, why? This isn't working. Like It, it would have been more reasonable last year to, for, to have people looking at the rankings and, and trying to make cases for them to be in. It's a lot easier to buy into a message, at least in my opinion, if everything has been working. And right now, <laughs> those not eight games into the season, still hard to find a lot of flaws on this team.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it really is. It really is. And we'll see. Maybe Penn State... Maybe Michigan can expose some of those flaws. I don't think Maryland or Rutgers will. You never know. But I think most likely this team is at least going to roll into 10-0 until we get to that highly anticipated game with Penn State in a couple weeks. And we'll see if if Ryan Day and the Buckeyes can keep it rolling. dmac 3212 asked us, Is this the dumbest thing you've ever read? And to kind of paraphrase what was a long post, basically – this commenter on what I believe was a Michigan forum suggested that because Luke Fickles, an Ohio State alum, and he coached at Ohio State for a long time, he didn't trust Luke Fickles' desire to really motivate his team to derail Ohio State's season. person also argued that Wisconsin was totally demoralized after losing to Illinois and was no longer ready to play Ohio State. Well, I'm not gonna say it's the dumbest thing I've ever read, because I've read plenty of dumb things, but I I do think, especially the first part of that, is silly. I think I definitely do not think Luke Fickle wanted his team to get beat forty-two to nothing by Ohio State. I think Luke Fickle wanted to win that game against Ohio State. I think Looking at what Luke Fickle and Cincinnati have done this year, they're 7-1. They're and one. They've been impressive. They've They've expected to win every game they've played, and they just ran into a really good Ohio State team that's been beating up on everybody. And I think the same is true for Wisconsin. Certainly, they were coming off a tough loss to Illinois, and and maybe once Ohio State built a big lead in the second half, maybe that got into their heads a little bit. Maybe that hurt their self-confidence, but that was a game that was competitive into the third quarter. Wisconsin was only trailing by three early in the third quarter, so I thought Wisconsin played with plenty of fight in that game i don't i don't think that was a situation of wisconsin not being ready to play i think ohio state has just been better than everybody it's played this year and and that's why the buckeyes have been so dominant i don't think there's any uh conspiracy or teams not showing up to play i think conversely ohio state tends to get every team's best shot and i think this year that best shot just hasn't been enough for anybody
1: yeah i mean the take of a coat is a coach not motivated to beat his former school that could have hired him and didn't uh Yeah, I think he's he's pretty motivated. I'm not exactly worried about that. Uh, Is uh, Wisconsin too demoralized to play against Ohio State and didn't want to bounce back against Buckeyes? I mean, yeah, that's, like you said, maybe not the dumbest thing, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say fairly incorrect. Bartholomew asked
0: us, what is the best college football team in the state of Indiana right now? No, but he did ask us that before. It was announced that Mike Penix, the Indiana starting quarterback, would be out for the rest of the season. So I imagine this question was asked in the vein of, is Indiana better than Notre Dame since Notre Dame hasn't looked great this year and Indiana is 7-2 right now. But I think the answer is still Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think in, I don't think Notre Dame is great. I think Ohio State could beat Notre Dame decisively just like it beat Indiana decisively. But I think Notre Dame is still the best team in the state of Indiana right now. Purdue in that mix as well, but Purdue has not been the same team it was last season. Quarterback injuries, Rondale Moore's been hurt. They did have a good win against Nebraska last week, but they're still a below 500 team. So I think Notre Dame is the best team in Indiana, but I think Ohio State, unlike last year at Purdue, I think Ohio State could pretty comfortably beat any team from that state right now.
1: I definitely agree with that. Uh, it would, like, if it, going back to that last question, if someone wanted to say some sort of excuse for a team that Ohio State has played, I do wonder about what it would have looked like uh, if Ohio State had played Indiana with Mike Penix, because that was obviously a steamroll, and and I still think it probably would have been. But listen, this is a team that has had barely any tests right now, so I, I wonder what that might have looked like.
0: Silver Sniper asks us who makes the Final Four. The final two and who wins it all based on everything we know right now. Silver Sniper, great question to ask throughout a podcast. Always gets right to the point. My final four right now, I would say Ohio State. My prediction right now is that Ohio State will win. I, I know Silver Sniper had asked me earlier in the year if I would change my opinion on Ohio State not going 12-0. At this point, I would change my opinion. I, I, I do think Ohio State, the way they've played this year, I would predict that they will win out. So I, I think they will make. The, I think Ohio State will make the playoff. I think Clemson will win the rest of his games and will make the playoff. The winner of LSU, Alabama, I'm picking an LSU win over Alabama this weekend. So I'm going to say LSU gets in. That fourth spot is going to be the wild card but I'm still inclined to believe that a one-loss Alabama is going to get in the playoffs. So I think I think if Alabama finishes 11 and 1, I think Alabama will get the four spot. So I'm going to say the final four will be Ohio State, LSU, Clemson and Alabama. What what do you think, Colin?
1: Yeah. I think, I think Ohio State and Clemson are the two that I feel most confident about right now, and it's just the way that Ohio State's played and, and, and the lack of future uh, difficult opponents for Clemson. Um, the others, I mean, it has to be either the winner. It has to be – one of them has to be the winner of the LSU-Alabama game. I'm just going to go with Alabama. And then I, I – when I was looking earlier, I was just trying to find, like, what would what's – a, what's a little bit of an outsider? And I, and I, and I picked Oregon. As Oregon team. Yeah, that's
0: that's an interesting one. There's actually there could actually be a little controversy of that one because Oregon's athletic director Rob Mullins is the uh, chairman of the selection committee. So I imagine, uh, I'm sure or- there'll
1: be no conspiracy theories about yeah, that. So yes, yeah. I would.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure no one will raise raise an eyebrow if Oregon gets in at a debate of one lost teams. But moving forward, I'm going. Uh, my prediction right now will be, I'll say Ohio State will be the one seed. LSU will be the two-seed. Clemson will be the three-seed. Alabama will be the four-seed. So Ohio State, Alabama rematch of 2014. I'll say Ohio State will win. LSU-Clemson, that's definitely one I could see going either way. But Clemson is a team that usually turns it on at the end of the year. I think even though they haven't had a ton of competition and have maybe played down to their competition a little bit this season, I think they'll ramp it up come playoff time. So I'm going to say... Clemson over LSU, Ohio State over Alabama in the semifinals, and then I'm going to say Ohio State over Clemson for the national title.
1: I have the exact same final two and the exact same national champion, which is a little bit of a wild thing to say at this point of the year because just a few months ago, Michigan had been picked to win the Big Ten, and I think both of us were pretty strongly against, like, we, we thought that Ohio State would have a loss. And now we're both in a position where I think that we are both thinking Ohio State's going to go undefeated, and now we're both picking them as our national champion, which yeah, is I quite mean, a turnaround.
0: Going, going into the year with a first-year head coach and a first-year quarterback and all the struggles Ohio State had, had on defense last year, it would have felt pretty crazy to me to pick Ohio State to win the national championship but That's where we're at right now. They've made a believer out of me. As dominant as they've played, I think they are the best team in college football right now. Certainly, if we get a playoff of Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Alabama, which is that's the playoff I'd like to see because I think it would be the most competitive playoff, you would hope for LSU and Alabama to be on opposite sides to the bracket and that it wouldn't end up with them playing each other again because nobody really wants to see a rematch in the playoff but I think those are the four best teams that would make for the most competitive games at least the way I see it right now and certainly I think if you had a playoff of any of those four, te- if those four teams I think any of those four could win but right now it's just hard to pick against Ohio State the way they've played
1: Yep, that's in the that, that's the exact same position I'm in, and like you said, with with all the turnover in the off season, even even given the talent on this roster, I'm I'm really surprised and impressed. We did
0: ask on Tuesday night if anyone had any last questions about the Buckeyes being number one. Barfollow me replied, "I'm not sure what to do with my hands." Well, that's that's an understandable feeling right now because uh, Ohio State has never been in this position before to start out as the number one team in the college football playoff rankings, the first time they've ever been number one, it's an unusual feeling. And I think some people kind of wonder how they should feel about this, because is it a position that you really want to be in? Do you you want to be the team that's getting all the hype, where maybe the hype starts to get into players' heads? Or would you rather be the underdog of something to prove? Because we've seen the Buckeyes, when they've been in that position, in recent years. They've typically played really well down the stretch when they're that team that's just outside of a playoff that's trying to fight their way in. They've typically played well, but this is the position you wanna be in. To be number one, it puts you in the best possible spot that you could be in right now in terms of making the playoff. They are in the driver's seat. They have to keep winning in order to keep themselves there. But right now, the Buckeyes are in a great position. This is exactly where you want to be and their chances of making the playoff are as good as they've ever been. Obviously, if you win out, you're going to be in. You can guarantee that you're going to be in at this point if you win out because you've already won and you've put yourself in that position where you are clearly one of the best teams in college football if you can win out. But I think even if they lose one game, there's still a chance they could make it in, and that's because of the position that they're in right now.
1: Yeah, you're. Listen, you're a fan. You're not a coach. You don't need to worry about tempering your expectations. You don't need to worry about a bullseye on your back. That's Ryan Day's job to worry about. That's Jeff Hafley's, Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, Greg Madison's, Mike Ersch's job is jobs to work at. They, they 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 don't need to worry about. You you don't need to worry about that. All you need to do is just feel pretty happy because this is a team that I know I know some people picked them to go undefeated. Most people didn't. Most people thought that they might have some sort of hurdles. This had this was a defense that had a lot of the same players on last year's, which was historically bad uh, for an Ohio State defense. And we're sitting here right now with the, with the College Football Playoff Committee respecting Ohio State enough to rank them number one, which gives them a good amount of leeway if if, if something did go wrong, because it tells you that uh, some people on the outside have thrown out there that. That Ohio State doesn't have that marquee win, and yet they respect them this much to put them ahead of an LSU and Alabama, Clemson, and Penn independent state. This is exactly where every single Ohio State fan should want to be.
0: I agree. I agree. I think this is exactly where you want to be, and it's, it's going to be a fun ride to see how it plays out over the next month. Certainly a long way to go still. Some big games that Ohio State has got to take care of business in in order to lock up a spot in the playoff field. But... Certainly, it's a great position to be in, and it makes it a whole lot more interesting for us to talk about and hopefully interesting for you to uh, for you to listen to us talk about. So thanks again for tuning in to Real Pod Wednesdays. We apologize for it coming in a little late this week, but wanted to get some college football playoff talk in. Didn't want you all to have to listen to everything I had to say twice due to echo coming out of Colin Speakers. So we we try to avoid that, and we appreciate everybody listening in, and we'll catch you again next week.